Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Hey everybody, on this week's episode of Distribution First, I sit down with my buddy Joe over at Sway and we chat all about the role that video plays in my content strategy, a little bit about the B2B creator space and also how you can use a video first content strategy at your company, whether you are in-house or running your own thing. Video can be a huge part of what you're doing and it doesn't take as much lift as you might think and we dive into all of those different areas. So let's get into the show. Okay, Justin, first of all, great to have you on. I think this is like our third back and forth podcast episode now. So it's great to do the third one. I'm sure there'll be more in the future. But as a starting place for this conversation, can you share like the role that video plays in your own content strategy? Yeah, video is in some ways the center of everything that I do, even as a solo creator, business owner. But video has really been at the center of a lot of my content strategies even for the past two companies, although they were in very different ways. But for me, it's not anything over complex. It's not anything over complicated at its core. It's a podcast that gets recorded every single week. And then that gets recorded as a video as well. Even though I'm not actively taking the full length videos and doing anything with them yet, I have a full library of video content. I have a full library of shorts. I have a full, you know, even segments from the shows and the episodes. And so that just adds a lot of creativity and a lot of different things that can come off of it. And that's really what I love about doing video and podcasts and that type of content at the core is the amount of things that can come off of it. And because I, and again, this is different because I'm also the host of the show. It's been different in the past when I've been doing this sort of similar strategy and I haven't been the host, but as the host, I already know what I'm talking about. I already know the thoughts, the frameworks, the ideas, the questions, like all of those things are already top of mind after an episode is created. And so I can think through ahead of time 
what are the other pieces that could come out of it? What are the interesting questions? All of those type of bits that can get pulled on. So at its core, it's a podcast. <laughs> yes, that's what it all revolves around. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like, because I feel like there's a little bit of a shift going on, right, where you're seeing more and more companies now. I mean, the podcast play has been a thing, at least for a handful of companies for a couple of years now, but it feels like that content pillar is starting to change for a lot of companies where it's shifting from like the blog article being the main content pillar to now it's a long form video or it's a podcast. Do you feel like when you start with a video, it makes it easier to then create other pieces of content and to then go and repurpose other pieces of content? What are your thoughts left? I definitely do because I think in a lot of ways, you already have a foundation built to be able to create lots of things quickly. So let's take text to video, for instance, that's a harder lift because now I have to either script it or I have to come up with something and then record. I like the lift is harder versus when you have video, you already have a lot of those tangible building blocks, especially now with a lot of the amazing AI tools or just different tools out there to be able to extract the information that's in that. I can literally use a tool and say, hey, give me all the main points that we talk about in this video. Give me all the topics and subtop. Like it's already framed up just based on what we talked about. So versus if I've got this text post, all right, what are all the other things that I can create off of it? That absolutely can happen. It just takes a little bit more effort and a little bit more work to turn that into, especially if you're thinking about multimedia type content, which is maybe where the differentiation is there. It's easier to create multimedia content out of something that's multimedia, video, audio, text, et cetera. Yeah. That just makes sense from a creation standpoint of, well, yeah, I don't have to spin my wheels as hard. It might take a little bit more upfront work and upfront yeah. like level up in knowledge to be able to create a show and make something interesting, which these are not easy things. Like there are a bunch of podcasts out there that nobody wants to spend any time listening to, but there are also a bunch of blogs that people that nobody wants to read. So at the end of the day, it's having to create that valuable content, but the ability to spin up off of that is so much easier. Yeah, it's easiest to go from video to text than it is to go from text to text to video. Zooming into that process a little bit for you, right? So you've done a podcast and I mean, it could be a podcast, it could be a lot, it could be an event session. What's your process for then taking that session and let's say then going like video to text or just maybe just your repurposing process for that, let's say one hour piece of content? There's really only three things that you need to focus on. It's <laughs> section. So it's like the main piece of content and then all the sections that are coming off of that. So mm -hmm. I think section at the top. After that, think channel. Where am I sharing this? What am I creating? Do I need a blog for my website? Do I need LinkedIn content? Do I need YouTube video? And then once you understand channel off of the sections, what format do I need to create that in to fit that channel? So for instance, if you have a podcast episode with six sections that are really good, solid pieces of content that you sort of thought through of like, yeah, this section was really good and this section was really good. You drill down and you say, all right, we're going to do LinkedIn. Now you drill down and you say, all right, formats. I can do video yeah. clips. I can do text posts. I can do images. I can do quote graphics. I can do carousels. And it's yep. not that you have to do all those things, but you have those mm -hmm. options. And those options are different than if your channel was YouTube because <laughs> you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're really like just figuring out those three things and layering it down from there and being able to understand like, all right, 
I have all these sections. That's number one, like understanding what content you want to be able to pull out. What was the best stuff? Mm-hmm. What channels am I sharing this on? And then what formats do I need to create off of that? Got it. Are there any, like in terms of the format that you're creating, is there, like I know that when I you know, go on your LinkedIn, for example, you're sharing and posting like and distributing a lot of clips. Is there a format that you're leaning into more at the minute? And is so like from and when you're repurposing content, are you leaning into a specific format or is your goal really still testing this route of a lot of different formats? Are you curious about like different video formats specifically or just content No, just, just in general, general, general. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I would say like for the show, it's interesting because there are times where I will take, I'll get a clip, but rather than post the clip, I will take the idea out of the clip and turn it into a text post. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows that that clip even exists, but the idea is there. And so I think that's another yep. low-key way that people can use I do podca- podcast content to come up because especially yeah. if you're the front-facing yeah. person on the show or the brand or whatever that is, mm-hmm. it's your idea. You're just going to take and, oh, great. Yeah, that was really mm-hmm. smart. I said something smart. I'm going to post on that. You can do that. So I like to have a mix because I don't, yeah. what I don't want from my perspective is to have getting too comfortable with, uh, oh, there's that from Justin. There's that clip from Justin. There's that style clip from Justin. There's that text, but like, there's that carousel. There's that image, whatever those things are. So I think you there's- You don't want to be associated with just one thing. Yeah, I mean, I just think it adds variety to the feed a little bit yeah. to where it's not one thing. And there is also just like a level of testing and, and not knowing, you know, like some mm-hmm. things you spend a lot of time on and you think this is a great piece of content and it flops, mm-hmm. you know, was the- but that could be the hook was bad. The intro, you know, it didn't get to the point. People were, you posted at a weird time. It's all a giant experiment, especially when you talk about social. I think for any of those pieces of micro content that I'm creating, in my mind, it's never about the one thing. It's about the overall, the macro. Like I very rarely focus on like micro metrics for my stuff anyway, because I'm my own boss and I can, uh, <laughs> I can decide what metrics I want to report on to the CEO, Lucky. you know, <laughs> but I think for me, it's an understanding of knowing the goal of doing this is not to even get you to listen to my podcast. It really isn't. It's to get you to understand how I think and how I can help. And that's really like long term has served. And it's wild. I'm telling you, because I have seen prospects LinkedIn posts unsolicited talking about distribution first, using the terms distribution first. I've been on sales calls where somebody brought their boss on mm-hmm. and they said, well, you know, on this podcast where you talked about exit, I'm like, oh, okay. So the VP is listening to the podcast. It's those things where you don't always see it. It's the classic dark social. It's the classic dark web of like, I don't yeah. know how people are consuming this content, but mm-hmm. it's really focused more on the macro side. Oh, by the way, as a distribution first, I feel like that's like, you've took that to like a whole of a stratosphere in the last kind of like year. It's like, I'm, I'm seeing a ton of people using that. Right? Yeah, it's super fun to see, to be honest. And I'm like, very pleased that I bought the domain and started the podcast and did everything because it's like, you know what, this was something that I came up with, but I think it fits, you know, like I think it really does fit. It makes sense. It was one of those things, even when I came up with it, it really started as the name of the show, which is funny, but everything's, I I had the forethought to think like, all right, whatever we build here is going to build off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you build the term distribution first. We're trying to own the term video first. So we'll learn all those. That's the goal for us this year. All right. All right. <laughs> you speak to a ton of big 
content marketers, VPs, people in the content and the marketing world. Are you seeing more companies now shifting into and investing into video as a medium? Are you seeing more people running like the Justin Simon kind of playbook, right? Where everything centers around like a video podcast. Is that something you're seeing with your own clients, just prospects that you're speaking to? I'm curious. I think of the conversations I've had, it's like dipping the toe in the water. Mm. It's a desire to want to make that happen. A lot of traditional content marketers are not experts in video. They are not podcasters by nature. And so it's sometimes hard to understand even how to get the engine created if you've never done it. Even if you have a solid repurposing background and a solid like mm-hmm. content, ba- like one company I worked with last year, we literally just built up their podcast from scratch. But because we built it with the distribution framework in mind, they were able to really hit the ground running to be able to get the most out of that podcast yeah. and be able to use that as the core. But so much of that, again, it's like distribution is the canary in the coal mine of a good or bad content strategy. I say it all the time mm-hmm. because a podcast is just a format. It could be awesome or it can be awful. And an interview can be awesome or it can be awful. And uh, you know what I mean? So it's like it really depends on that content being good and valuable and helpful and speaking to the problems that your business helps solve or that, th- you know what I mean? Like so often, these podcasts are either a blatant ABM plays that are not actually useful or beneficial. It's just like two folks talking about whatever. Nothing. Or it's, you know, a podcast that somebody wants to, in the company, wants to run, wants to have. They want to interview these cool people, but it has nothing to do with the actual business. It's very tangential to what, you know, okay, if we squint and we kind of like, dim the lights a little. Okay, now it fits in with our ICP and our product. So I think having that is difficult. And then I think the other thing too is the consistency of a podcast is very difficult for people to envision. If you don't have one right now, a lot of folks, rather than making it the core, want to make it an addition. Mm -hmm. And when you make it an addition, especially on a lean team, a small team, it's very, very difficult. And so I think understanding where it fits in your content strategy, and that's where like Mm -hmm. really, if you can understand how you set up the show to filter everything else, that's when Mm -hmm. it opens up the reality of like, oh, okay, I can do a blog post off of this and Mm -hmm. I can do clips and I could do because I've set up the core to be properly run. And I think a lot of times it's just people don't understand the value and the reasons and the thoughts behind even what they're creating. Yeah. And I think the big thing is, I like you, the key thing you said there is it's seen as like an additional thing you need to do or you have to do versus like actually it can all start with video being in the middle, whether it's with a mm-hmm. video podcast, video interview, like you can do it in tons of different ways, but it's just, it's a, it's a whole kind of different approach, right? To content. Like, do you think like what's currently missing or in terms of like, there's kind of like a gap, I would say, in terms of skill sets for content marketers and in terms of video, like what needs to change inside content functions in order for companies to start to crack video and start to be able to actually bring this in and implement it? Does anything need to change or is it more of like a mindset thing or is it, mm. yeah? I think it's definitely a mindset shift, but it's also there's just a level of education mm. around video Mm -hmm. that folks just don't 
have, and we're seeing a little bit more of it, like the barrier to entry in video is way easier now than it was three years ago, even just three mm -hmm. years ago, but it's still difficult. Even for me, who's somebody who's been doing this for a long time, like there's a lot of nuance in video. If you're talking about like legit, really good video, like making somebody feel something and like transitions and music Stuff. and story yeah. and like there's a lot that goes into video that is very mm -hmm. intimidating. So I think there is a gap there in terms mm -hmm. of like the average Joe Schmo marketer mm -hmm. versus a mm -hmm. really good video content creator, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But all of those things can be learned. Mm -hmm. All of those things can be outsourced. All of those things can be, you know, bring in consultants or have people help you with it. Like all those things can be reality. So th there is a gap. There's a mindset shift. There's, I think, just a basic understanding of how this thing works. Like mm -hmm. most content marketers are comfortable with, I write blog posts. We write yeah. two blog posts a week and we rank in Google. Most content marketers mm -hmm. are still comfortable with is, yeah. I know how to create this type mm -hmm. of content and I know how to get some stuff to rank and I know how to show that we're moving mm -hmm. the needle. And it's harder because there's mindset challenges, there's knowledge challenges, there's information challenges. And companies, it's hard to like some companies, there may not be a person on staff who even wants to record video and be good on camera. There's talent problems, you know, like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things that aren't always great. And so yeah. there's lots of challenges. Video is challenging. Yeah. Content is challenging, you know? Yeah, I may just. Okay, so on the talent point, I go back and forth in my head about this all the time about if a team is looking to do video content, should they be looking at bringing in external actors slash creators as that video talent? Or should they, you know, be using people internally and trying to get the founder or, you know, an internal SME on camera? Like, what are your thoughts there? I have got my own opinions, but what do you think? I feel like the ultimate long-term strategy is to get, especially if you're talking about a smaller company or... Mm -hmm. But even a bigger company, I just think there's so much of like the founder or that core person within the company to be the face of the company. It really matters. I think of like the classic Steve Jobs example, Elon, they're the face of the company. And they're in a lot of ways, the reason why that company's mm -hmm. driven. I think there can be SMEs play a similar role. The risk you play in that but again, this is just the reality. The risk is they could move on, go do their own thing. They could switch companies. And we've seen that in the B2B space as far as like people who were the face of a brand leave, change roles, et cetera. And then that sort of brand just kind of falls to the wayside because those people aren't there to really lift up and be the face of the brand anymore. On the flip side, I think partnering with creators is going to be massively important. One, to fill in the gap, but two to tap into their audiences. And I think it's kind of a double-edged sword there for these companies to be able to mm -hmm. be able to work with folks who can create the content, can be seen, it, you know, it's a lot of folks are sort of talking about it's the B2C play now and B2B with influencer marketing and things like that. I feel like it's less transactional from a B2B standpoint because just B2B is less transactional to begin with. I think ultimately to answer your question, I'm curious to hear your thoughts too, Joe. The founder being the core is the best long-term strategy because that person becomes the voice, the thought, the leader on a lot of the whys behind the company and why you should join. But I think there's also like ways to supplement and tap into people outside the org as well. 
I think where I land on it is it, it probably depends on the type of content. Ultimately, I think for your like social LinkedIn type content where it's for leadership driven type of thing, it needs to come from someone internal, ideally the founder. I mean, you can bring in someone external, I think as long as they're like industry related. The other side to that though is I think for your like YouTube style content, I think particularly for SaaS companies where you're trying to like rank for, you know, you're taking a blog article and you're trying to get it to rank on YouTube. I think in that case, bringing in an actor or bringing in maybe ideally a creator that's already got their own audience where they can push it to their audience on LinkedIn and you get that play going on. I think that's probably the most ideal setup. But I think in an ideal world, your video program is built around a founder or it's built around someone internal. Because I just think it's very hard from day one to try and get leadership brought in to a video program when you're having to use an external actor you're having to, you know, pay out all that cost to create it. It's a hard road and it's just so much easier, right? Like we've said during this conversation to build a video program where it starts with a podcast, where it starts with an interview. It's just, it's, it's an easier thing to get momentum with. So I think you can use the actor and do that, but I think it's dependent on the type of content, i.e. YouTube styled videos, videos that are going on YouTube, but it probably shouldn't start there. That's kind of where I got to with it. And like YouTube style videos too are inherently different because you are reading a script most of the time you are following a path you're having to build out a story even if it's not an official storyboard you're having to do stuff video stuff that isn't just like let's sit down and record an interview like we all have been doing on zoom for the last three years you know Mm -hmm. that takes a whole level different level of skill set different skill set read a teleprompter act natural all those things And so I think that's where like video, just Mm -hmm. this blanket term of like, yeah, video and B2B is a way more nuanced conversation in terms of like, what do you want to do? Because I can tell you, like when I worked at TechSmith, we built out literally to the tune of millions of views on YouTube, but we had a studio (laughs) and I know they still do have a studio. They have a beautiful studio and they have a few solid people internally that they found who yeah. tried out. But like, they also have a video guy, Andy, who's like, he has a video background. And so like, that's what he did. And so they invested in these people full-time on staff who are mm-hmm. video folks who can direct and manage. And it's an investment. It, yeah. It's all those things. And mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, I turned on my webcam, shot a video and got a million views on YouTube. No, there was so much that went into that strategy and making that thing work. I think the YouTube play, and I think that's where creators will start to kind of plug those gaps for companies. So like one of my favorite examples at the minute is Beehive. So if you go on their channel on YouTube, I think they're using one or two creators. There's one main creator that's appearing in their videos. It's not like a crazy studio background or it's not like in a hype professional studio, which I think is actually, I prefer that personally as a consumer watching the content. I just think it feels a bit more real. But they're obviously using like a consistent creator in their YouTube content. And I personally prefer that approach. And I think it's the approach that more companies will take on top of YouTube. I just think it's more practical than like creating a studio, bringing in actors and going that route, purely just a cost thing. But also when you're using a creator, you're playing into their skills. They've got an audience, they can push it to their social channels, that whole approach. So I think we'll see that beehive kind of play with more companies. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about how to build something out that way and do it consistently. You know, it's probably just like a set contract on a set amount of videos to start on these topics. 
and being able to run that. And then that's the other thing too, like, okay, we got this great video. Now there's the whole YouTube platform to understand and figure out. Now that's a whole other thing that content creators just don't, or content creators know, content marketers, it's kind of a black box. Where do you think we're at with the whole creator space at the moment? There's like a lot of chatter, I'd say on LinkedIn about it at the minute. I'm a fan of it. I'm a big fan of it. But like, where do you sit with it all? Because it feels like there's just a lot of noise about it and a lot of people with a lot of different opinions about it. So there's not a very direct question here, but just what are your thoughts? I don't think it's going anywhere. And I think it's only going to get bigger in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. It's funny because I think a lot of, because it's coming from both directions. It's folks who have seen success doing it. It's also funny because you see a lot of like YouTubers are now retiring from YouTube. So, you know, which is wild. But I think there's enough demand growing and there's also a like pretty seismic shifts in how we consume media and who we consume. Like everything's getting niched down. Everything, you know, like I can listen to the exact thing I want. I don't have to go to the cable news station or whatever and watch only what ESPN gives me. I can watch exactly the topic I want from the person I want, you know, and so it's opening up a different lane there from the creator side. And also like on the back end, you have a whole generation of folks, me and you are kind of included in that. But even like my kids, for Pete's sake, they love to create content, like film stuff and do like if I had that stuff as a kid, like I remember a big old friggin' video camera and like chugging around with my friends and doing stupid stuff. If I had YouTube, my whole world would have changed. In some ways, I'm very glad I didn't have YouTube because <laughs> those things are burned on VHS. They're not out there for the internet to see. But I think like that creative outlet is super fun. And so this idea of like, I can create something, eventually get monetized in some way, like somebody's going to pay me for this content I'm creating is wild. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's going to continue to grow. I think the gap for creators is to figure out how to build a business and the gap for businesses to figure out how to be creative. And like, that's the unique chasm right now in the landscape is like a lot of really smart creators struggle to build livelihoods off of themselves and businesses struggle to be creative. Because I mean, look, there's obviously like a few creators that come to mind in B2B at the minute. Like the two guys that always come to mind for me, they're not exactly creators, creators, but like Will Aiken and then Todd, Todd Clouser, like they're just the two guys that immediately come to mind. But like, how do you see this going from where we're at now where it feels like there's a small pool of like creators, influencers that are kind of hovering out there. Like, where do you think these creators come from? Are they going to come from outside of B2B and like companies are going to bring them in and Mm. say, hey, this is our industry, go and create content, go and take your skills and try and create content. Or do you think they're going to come actually from inside companies? And it's like, you know, I know Will used to be in sales and he's now transitioned into content creation. Like, like, how do you think that will play out? I would imagine it's going to come internal out. I mean, that's the route I've taken. I even have like, you know, at a very small scale, like I would not even call myself a creator. Yeah. But that being said, I guess I am like, I like it doesn't feel that way because podcasting and create like that, like doing those things feel sort of natural. But like when you take a step back, oh, most people aren't doing a podcast. Most people haven't got a clue how to do it. And I haven't got a clue yeah. how to do it and like, yeah. or aren't doing uh, mm-hmm. video content or aren't do- like, so it's a very yeah. small group. Like it feels like it's one of those things. And I feel like social media is awful for this, where it feels like, mm-hmm. oh, everybody's making a million dollars a year. 
everybody's got a podcast and is killing it on YouTube and everybody like, you know, like completely like echo chamber effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. this massive thing where it's like you get on there and you're like, oh, a- a- everybody must be doing, you know, and then I see a post the other day where it's a very talented content marketer puts a post mm-hmm. on. It's like, I'm trying to figure out how to pull clips from my webinar, you know, and it's like, oh, OK, like there's a gap yeah. there still, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I think like just understanding how that sort of forms and functions is good and healthy. But yeah, no, I, I think for most companies, it's going to be, but it's also, it's a rare thing, right? Like it is a rare thing to find somebody who's a knowledge expert in let's just say your field or your product that you sell. That's mm-hmm. also like charismatic, is good on camera, has interesting thoughts. Is that like, that's a rare person. That is a rare person to be able to grab and tap into. And so I think for these companies, yes, there will be more of them, mm-hmm. but it's not the majority of people. It is the 5% or less of people within companies right now that would even have want that to like do that. magic crossover of every. Yeah. And I think that's the ideal situation, right? They, they are people that come up internally because all of their content is going to already be stemmed around the industry. You know, if, you're, if you've worked in sales, all of the content that you're putting out on TikTok, the podcast that you have, it's already in that space. So it links so much easier versus if you're coming out from outside the industry as a creator, it's more of a difficult fit, I think, and versus when you're internal. Yeah, it's a massive lift to try and imagine to bring somebody mm-hmm. in to understand not only your company, which is a lift, mm-hmm. but then your industry as well. Yeah, 100%. There's a final cue on this whole creator thing. And I know we've, we have slightly touched on it, but in terms of how these partnerships, in your opinion, how they'll pan out companies, do you think it's like a case of a company bringing someone in and says, hey, we want to do this podcast series. Can you partner with us on it and you'll host it? Is it an external? Do you think companies are going to try and bring creators internally in? Again, just what are your thoughts? I would imagine they will test external before they'll ever spend headcount on it. It's just way cheaper economically. Even if you're paying a substantial amount, it's just there's less overhead. And I think for the most mm-hmm. part, the creator themselves would rather not. This is the bad. I mean, there's a whole mm-hmm. wild economic side to internal versus external anyway, right? Like, mm-hmm. do I go join a company? There's yeah. a lot of that that's going to happen and shift out. But from mm-hmm. a company perspective, I think it makes sense to like, all right, let's partner with this person. Let's mm-hmm. test it out. Let's see if we even have the capability to do this before we think about bringing everything in-house and trying to do all that. Well, I mean, the battle that you're always going to have with these creators, they're going to, nine times out of 10, probably going to want to work for themselves anyway. So it's like, it's going to be tough to bring them internally. Yep. I think. Yep. Awesome. Well, I've really enjoyed this. I think we've hit on both the video world, but also the creator world. So it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. It was a blast. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are gonna help you build your brand, 10X your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.